but you assume that you're going to automatically grow on your job or you're going to automatically grow into these experiences and you don't. You have to participate in these experiences. You have to be intentional about the ways you want to grow. And yet, that is not what everybody thinks. You just think it's going to automatically happen. As a young mother, I experienced a paradigm shift that transformed how I saw education and ultimately the world around me. I started this podcast, The Luminous Mind, to connect with and learn from people who are disrupting the status quo in how they learn, educate, and live in the world around them. Prepare for a paradigm shift. Light a candle, light your world. Benjamin Franklin said, instead of cursing the darkness, light a candle. You're listening to The Luminous Mind with your host, Rebecca Bowman. Today's fire starter is Regina Hall. Regina is an author, certified speaker, trainer, coach, licensed professional counselor, and an ordained minister. A graduate of Ashland Theology Seminary, with a Master's of Art in Pastoral Counseling. She also graduated from Central Michigan University with a Bachelor's of Science degree in Business Administration. She is the founder of Enlightened Heart Services, EHS. EHS aims to assist women to discover who they are through transforming their minds and emotions by taking a journey of self-acceptance, personal authenticity, and adding value to others. She also is the founder of Sisters Journeys Together, SJT birthed from her book, Mommy, I Need You. Its purpose is to mentor young ladies in finding their voices through personal growth and leadership. SJT hosted their first back to school conference in 2019 that focused on personal and professional development for teen girls between the ages of 12 and 19. She is a member of the Great Lakes Real Orders Toastmasters Club, Greater Farmington Area Chamber of Commerce, Southfield Area Chamber of Commerce, Michigan Association for Female Entrepreneurs, American Business Women Association, Tajimai Women's Life Chapter 817, and attends Brightmoor Christian Church. Regina resides with her loving husband of 13 years. They have one amazing daughter who is currently attending Kalamazoo College. Well, welcome, Regina. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you be part of the Luminous Mind. We were talking before we started recording how a lot of our messages are much the same of, you know, the Enlightened Heart services or and the Luminous Mind and stuff. But before we get into your message and the business that you're doing, give us a little background about yourself. Okay. Before I say that, let me just thank you very much for having me to be a part of the Luminous Mind. I'm excited to be here today. And, and just excited uh, to just see where this journey is going to lead us both. So thank you. You're welcome. So the way I describe myself, I'm an energizer, inspirer, encourager, guardian, wife, a mother of a child. She's 21 years old, just turned. Yay. I say <laughs> yay. <laughs> and she's in her last year of college. I've been married for 13 years. He is an entrepreneur himself. He has a tennis uh, business. It's called Tennis Made Easy. 
Uh, he uh, retired from Xerox. Uh, he worked there for 31 years and he's a tennis pro. So if he can sleep, eat, drink tennis, Oh, he would. Yeah, that's like yeah. a dream. <laughs> yes, yes. So he loves it. I exercise four days a week. I recently, well, and when I say recently, over the last three years, I slowly lost 35 pounds. And so I'm over 50 and I wanted to grow old graciously. Yeah, I like uh, that and, <laughs> and yes, I wanted to. I was like, you know what? How do I want to proceed in life? And uh, it was very important for me to take care of myself. And I've always been athletic, but you know, it was off and on, off and on, off and on. And I decided that I wanted to start exercising regularly and make sure that I was eating right, put those things in my regimen. I particularly enjoy yoga. I love yoga to center my mind and my spirit. And I read the Bible uh, daily. Uh, and I love reciting affirmations. But I love being known as the number one exhale international transformational speaker and trainer. I help women to breathe. And so that's pretty much in a nutshell who I am. I speak life to women who have experienced difficult obstacles or gone through some type of trauma to make peace with their past and, and move forward into their purpose. Well, and how did you get into that? Give us some background into that of how you you know, moved into being such a, an inspiration for women and helping them through this journey? So I end up going through sexual abuse and the Lord, I started uh, seeking God out about my healing. I was miserable, feeling one way of, uh, I, this is my second marriage, and I was feeling really complete in my marriage. I felt like I had exhaled. And I don't know if you ever saw the movie Waiting to Exhale. Uh -huh. I felt like I was, I had exhaled, but in my heart, I was feeling torn and uh, sad and I really couldn't shake it. So I turned to the word of God and started reading scripture. Well, there's a scripture in the Bible that says that if you draw nigh to me, I would draw nigh to you. Well, if God would have told me that he was going to give me a extreme makeover, I would have been like, I'm good. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all feel that way. Okay. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? Yes, right. That's exactly how I felt. I was like, I couldn't believe it, but it was a cleansing and a washing that was going on for me. And I really didn't understand it at the time. You know, hindsight is 2020, but I stayed in it because I no longer wanted to live that way, but that was a traumatic experience within itself of really opening myself up to God. And then I started seeking counseling. I sought out spiritual counseling and um, from a church that, that my girlfriend introduced me to. And, and she said some really profound words to me. She said, you know, I really don't need to do much because God has you on the surgery table and he's doing the work. So the only thing that I need to do is guide you through it. And that's exactly what happened. I started meeting with her once a week and going through the healing process of what happened to me. And this is something that you may not know, but my parents didn't believe me. I talk about that in my book. So it was really me having to forgive a lot. And also ask for the forgiveness uh, of the disrespect that I showed my mom, because I, I don't know at the time that I really feel like my mom should have believed me, more so is that I felt so disconnected from my mom. My dad, I am more on the 
pedestal. But as God began to deal with my heart, I realized that my dad, of course, had his flaws as well, as well as my mom having her flaws and really dealing with them as being uh, parents later on as for the forgiveness began to take uh, part in my heart and uh, really just understanding that, you know, they did the best they could and uh, I can go out and do better and be better because of what I've gone through. And it also helped me to understand that I really don't know what my mom uh, had gone through or what was her experiences as a child. So I, I just had to accept that they did the best they could and, and love them for who they are. But it was a really in-depth process to go through, but I'm a better person for it. There is milk and honey on the other side. That's really a fantastic story. It mirrors so much of my own personal journey too. You know, I had some sexual abuse that happened, same situation with the family, <laughs> not believing it. I, I don't know if it was just easier to deny it than to actually deal with it mm-hmm. yeah. for many of our parents, but it brings some resentment for yes. sure when our parents don't believe us for those types of things. So did your training come after all of this, after you were on the operating table with God? Like, yeah, you have, yeah, because you have a theology degree in pastoral counseling, also so, yeah, um, yeah, tell yeah. Us, so, tell us well, actually, I now, as a young girl, I always knew that I had a calling on my life. I knew that because uh, I would have these fleeting visions while I was sleeping that I was going to be on a large, broad stage of uh, speaking. I would see it and then it would just disappear. And then I would also play in the backyard and my friends were my audience with the spoon as my mic. And so <laughs> there was a part of me that I would preach after I had gone to church and I would just soak it all up. So that part of me it was just there because I, I believe that God has always had a calling on my life. But me leading uh, into this, going to uh, school, I went to Ashton Theological Seminary. I was in that process of being healed then. And I think the healing really took place because I felt safe in my marriage at that time. Even though we ended up in divorce, in the beginning, I felt safe that I had finally had an opportunity to exhale and I was breathing and here it was for me to heal. And so I'm grateful, nothing else, that God brought him in my life to start that process. But I was actually in school when that process happened. I was about 29 or 30. And that's one of the things too, to know that most of the time you don't deal with those traumatic experiences until you are grown, Mm -hmm. you know, and because no one is talking to you about it as a child, you really don't understand the depth of what has happened to you until you get grown and you start looking back at, you know, oh my God, this is, how could this have had somebody protecting me? Yeah. 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 Yes. And why didn't they? And God, yeah. where were you? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Why would this happen? Yeah. Definitely. Why would this happen? Exactly. Well, I think it's beautiful that you were going through this as you're going through theology school and that you came out of it still believing in God. Because I do see people that get angry with God. They're never on the operating table. And I don't think that unless the Holy Spirit is working with us and he's helping to direct our life in that way, I don't think you ever really do heal. Nobody can guide you through that process until 
until it's coming from within, you know, basically. Well, um, you're um, right because, right. Cause change is personal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that yeah. it's a, it's a personal decision that you have to make. And I did make that personal decision that I wanted to be healed. It was more important for me to be healed and whole than to walk around broken like that. Uh Um, And to keep dealing with feelings of condemnation, rejection, feelings of not being good enough. All those feelings were there, Uh, scared to be me. I didn't want to live like that, but it it has been a process to tell you the truth. It just don't happen overnight, but just even dealing with God, I do want to say is that I was extremely angry with God. And I understand because people do say, how could God allow that to happen if he is a loving and caring God? What God gave me for that was, is that we live in a broken and sinful world and broken and sinful people do things. We live in a decrepit world and there is nothing that we go through in life that God doesn't intend to get the glory. So I began to learn that it wasn't about me. That it was about making sure that once I got healed, like he told Peter, then go out and heal the brethren. Yeah, yeah, you can't. I think that us helping other people comes from our own source of pain. Exactly. Many times like God can take that and use that for something better. And I personally believe that God would rather have us argue with him and mad at him and, you know, having this struggle with him than just walking away. I think that he wants us to just tell him how we really feel about things, you know. He already know, right? Yeah, but he he wants that struggle to go on and not just to walk away. I love... Uh, scriptures where you know some of these great prophets talked about that struggle that they had with God but but that was the the beauty of it that they kept struggling with God and not just walking away from him when you know right and people will walk away because we have assumptions about how God should be and I had those assumptions as well yeah Uh, but I stayed in the process and um, God brought people in my life that really helped to walk me through the understanding like I had pieces of the puzzle of God I I saw God as angry I saw him as a condemner I saw him as I wasn't good enough you know I, I projected all those things on God Mm -hmm. And so he brought a minister in my life uh, who was also at Ashland Theological Seminary, and we are still friends to this day. He brought him in my life, and he began to walk me through the foundational understanding of the Word of God. And once I got a better understanding through the foundation of how he does love me and and things are going to happen in a broken and sinful world— and that he was more than able to rise me above it. Yeah, I fell in love with God. And, and yeah. let me tell you this, Rebecca, I always felt like I love God more than he loved me. Well, it was good to find out that he actually loved me more. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and that's where we see the love come in because, you know, he can take something broken and help you learn from it and and make it beautiful again that's the whole point of what you know dying on the cross did for us for sure yes 
So on your website, you talk about how you help women transform lives beyond, beyond, that's the key point there, the light bulb moments. You know, many of us just want to get people to the light bulb moments. What are you meaning when you say, you know, beyond the light bulb moments? What does that look like to you? Yeah, sure. So the scripture for me and my business is called Enlightened Heart Services Mm -hmm. and Ephesians 1.18 is the scripture that God gave me. I was sleeping one day. I was asking God actually to give me my business name and enlighten heart services. And Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And for me, that scripture really spoke to me about enlightened hearts, that God wanted hearts to be enlightened, but he wanted us to get beyond, not just enlighten, let our hearts be enlightened, but begin to walk in that hope in which we have been called, to walk in the understanding that God reconciles heaven and earth, that we are royal priesthoods, you know, that I am and I belong to him. So to get beyond just being enlightened, to get beyond that, to gain understanding and begin to walk in my calling. And, and that's what I mean by that, that if, if you can get beyond just being enlightened, just having that wisdom, you know, but get beyond that and begin to walk in it and live it, then you will see who you really are on the other side. You won't stay stuck. And that's yeah. what I meant by that. And maybe that's kind of what we were talking about earlier about people leaving is that they never get past that. You know, yes. they never get beyond. They have the light bulb moments of like, oh, this was horrible and this is whatever, but they never get beyond that. Yeah. And then it creates like almost bitterness if they don't yes. like move beyond it. And it's a journey. Yeah. you know, of getting beyond it and the bitterness. And, you know, can you imagine of having all that to deal with all at once rejection, the bitterness, the resentment, the unforgiveness to just, you know, and you may deal with that during that time, but we are like an onion, you know, being mm-hmm. peeled away. And the hurts can be very deep. Some are deeper than others, right? So, yeah. It's really to help women to get beyond those moments because our daughters need healing. And what I would have to say, even in my relationship with my daughter, it's been a process of even understanding how to mother her and how to speak to her and how to love her, you know? And sometimes (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, what did I do? You know, but I, (laughs) so I'm not perfect. But I do know that we have a loving relationship and she helps me grow. Yeah. Well, did you, this is a completely personal question and I'm so sorry to ask this, but you know, I only have one daughter, but I I have found that it's been difficult because of my feelings that I had about maybe my own mother, you know, idolizing my father, uh, my own feelings that I had about my mother. I've had a harder time trying to understand her and to relate to her because maybe in a way I'm worried, like she sees me the way I see, I have seen my own mother. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. a pretty picture all the time. Do you feel like that if we don't heal, maybe that's part of that healing, that journey into acceptance, uh, self-acceptance, maybe? I don't know. What do you think? So are you asking me that, was I afraid that my daughter was going to see the ugly and 
Well, and Uh, when you're talking about how our daughters needed us, you know, we mm -hmm. needed to be healed because Mm -hmm. of that. I think that maybe be part of the journey is that if we don't heal, maybe past hurts with our own past, with our own mothers, with the people that maybe we feel they're not responsible, but they should have been protecting us like we talked about. Yes, yes, yes. um, We don't move past that. It can really affect our relationship with our own daughters as well. It it can. And and, and when we talk about the journey, you get involved in relationships with others, particularly within your own family, stuff show up. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, the blessing is, is that going through that healing process, staying before God, I was able to say, whoa, I... I really can see, you know, how this is still playing a role and I need to grab hold to this. I need to allow God to speak more in this area of my life. Or the fact that I can go to her and say, hey, you know what? Mommy's not uh, perfect. But what I will tell you, I'm really sorry that I needed to really have thought that through a little better. So it made my heart more empathetic uh, towards her to understand her. I gave her a voice. Now, what I would say, my husband, like, yeah, you gave her a voice. My goodness, did you give her a voice? (laughs) That's what we want from our daughters, right? (laughs) Yes, but I gave her a voice and she has a voice and I didn't feel like I had one. Mm -hmm. And and that's another thing I, I believe the journey and the healing does. It allows me to offer up to women that come to me that, hey, you have a voice, yeah. You know, and I want to hear your voice. You know, I want to know. I want you to share. And I want them to share at the level in which they are comfortable in sharing. Yeah. Not yeah. long ago, I did a podcast with a lady all about Eve and how, you know, from that experience, many people took that Eve was wrong and evil and whatever. And, and for generations from mm-hmm. that, women have been silenced because of that situation. And I think even more so as, as a black woman that you feel that silence even more. So like to give yourself permission to have a voice and to use that voice and then also to teach our daughters to, I mean, we're breaking that really horrific yes. cycle that has happened generation after generation of how women have been silenced in so many ways. Right. Do, you feel, do you feel like there are other misconceptions that maybe people have about this journey with self-acceptance? Yes, I do. Because self-acceptance is really all about, right, having a good self-esteem and a good self-image about yourself. But we're flawed individuals. We're not perfect. And, and as we've been talking about, life is a process and we move at our own pace. And so I think a lot of times that because we're grown and we're older, we may assume that we should know better right? We live in a world that's very materialistic. We hide behind who we really are. We are about, you know, impressing others and performing for others. And it it really doesn't allow you to, to be who you are, just accept who you are. You know, I love reading stories, Rebecca, about people who live in the small houses because they don't really feel like they need this huge house. Mm -hmm. And I remember when my husband and I, we were purchasing our home. It's not a real small house, but it's not the large ones that my friends and all of them were buying. 
and I love my home. And then they call it buyer's remorse, right? (laughs) (laughs) And and so here I am and uh, my daughter going to all her friends' homes and they have these big homes and everything. And I started to feel bad about my home. And I had to just stop and say, I accept my home. When I walked into it, I knew it was for me, you know, and I still feel that way today. But there's big comparisons that are out there. That's that spirit of comparison where we compare ourselves to others, our home, our cars. And none of that means anything really in this journey is self-acceptance because it's an inside outside job. So I think for me, one of the walks that I've had to have is embracing who I am by the things that I like, the things that I want to promote for me, and the things that I want to know about my daughter. I want to know about what promotes her. My husband is pretty easy because I said he eats, sleep, and drink tennis. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are the things that I really believe that I should connect to and I encourage others that we have to let go of the misconceptions that we have taken on by relationships, by our environment, mm-hmm. and things that we have put on ourselves. Yeah. Does, does that answer your question? Yeah. I say it to people as you need to define what success looks like to you. Because I I think that's the big key is that I feel the same. I have a little house and I feel successful with that. You can't help. I mean, we are creatures that mimic, you know, we want to mimic something. Yes. We look around at our peers and we think, oh, well, I'm not, I haven't done this or that like they have. So maybe I'm not successful, but it's really important to define what success looks like for us. And then- to live that out and be proud of that for sure. Yes. Um, Because when you think about, just think about comparison. Comparison is huge in our society, right? And comparison is all about you looking at the negatives of yourself and looking at the positives of that other person, which those are the positives that you can see about that other person but you think about that person not even having flaws because you're so busy with yourself where everybody is flawed. So I think the best way to handle comparison, and these, this is one of my affirmations to myself, is that when I don't compare, I'm empowered. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I don't compare, I'm empowered. I'm empowered to be me, define me, and live out my success. Because uh, to do it any other way, it's crippling. And comparison, it's a life stealer. It steals your joy. Yeah. Well, and I was just thinking of that quote that you hear all the time, how comparison is the thief of joy. And I think it fits so perfectly in that. And it describes yes. that, that feeling of like you being so happy with your home. And then when you start looking around, you know, your happiness goes away because of that comparison. So yes, I love those quotes. That's what- crazy. <laughs> <laughs> now to take a break. Are you new to homeschooling? Maybe you're a veteran homeschooler and just need some continued encouragement. I'm so happy to announce that the Idaho Freedom Action is sponsoring me in offering a free webinar. For a couple of years, I've been teaching coaching classes for an online school and this year, in an effort to reach a larger demographic, I'm opening these courses up to everyone. These courses help give us a broader vision and better family relationships as we work through creating self-directed love of learning families. 
We are holding these classes every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time through the school year. To find out more about these courses, go to theluminousmind.net and sign up on our email list. You can also join us on Instagram or the Luminous Mind Facebook page to find out more information. Or just simply check out the link in the show notes for this episode. Recordings for these courses will also be available on the Luminous Mind Patreon page. Join us for empowered learning for families. Now back to the episode. So tell me, with your research into a lot of these topics, that you know, as a speaker and a trainer and a coach, these are all things I'm sure you've studied a lot about of how to mentor people, how to speak to them about some of these topics. How do you feel like your message? How is it different than what you hear other people say? Well, I think Here in we're terms talking about of, comparisons, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Well. That's right. Well, I believe that my message really deals with the transformation of traumatic experiences or difficult obstacles that oftentimes people don't want to deal with. So I can't say that it's so much different. What I can say is that that is my message. And so I'm very empathetic and sensitive to the needs of others. I consider myself to walk on a journey with them is to help them to breathe through the journey. And to be that advocate for them. So those are the ways that I, I feel like I can be empathetic because I, I walked where they walked. Maybe not the same experience, but, you know, 50% of people are going to have a traumatic experience or a difficult obstacle. And as the elderly used to say, and if you haven't, baby, just keep on living, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. And so we don't always know how to. So I believe that because of what I've gone through, understanding that change is personal, that you are going to have a valley, but you can get through it and get on the other side. I believe that those are the things that allow my message to go forward and to connect with women who are going through similar experiences. Yeah. Well, I like the fact that you talk about walking with them to help them breathe through it. And a lot of people don't even realize, at least I didn't, like you can go for years and not really feel like you're breathing. You know what yes. I mean? You're just moving through life and not really having full breath into everything that you're doing. I think when we talk about that journey into self-acceptance, that reminds me a lot about how living with authenticity is part of that. Do you feel like there are common challenges that you have with people who, you know, as they're trying to live authentically? Yeah, because I think a lot of times that's getting back to the type of world we live in. People really struggle with living authentic. Like a good example, I was talking to someone and she was telling me that she wanted to do something. I can't remember the whole story, but what she was about to do she was afraid to do because she was concerned about how it was going to look, how she was going to be judged. So she didn't do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I shared with her that I no longer make excuses for things that I need to apologize for. So I try not to say things like, well, I had this emergency to come up and I'm so sorry, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, what I try to do in my, in just being authentic is say, I'm really sorry that I didn't show up for that meeting. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't intended. 
if you can count it to my head and not my heart. And so I think a common thread for most people is not feeling like they have permission to do it, how they're going to be judged, how people are going to look at them. And I hear people say uh, that are even my clients that would say to me, I know I shouldn't worry about what other people think, but I really felt Yeah, but we do. We put a lot of weight into what other people think. Definitely. And I think that's a struggle of how to change our mindset, too, is that when we can't be completely honest with other people because we're worried about how they're going to think and feel with the situation, we're really, we're not being honest with ourselves. And so that's it. Yeah, then we aren't really living authentically because you can't lie to yourself and be authentic about who you are. Yes. And when we talk about that being on the operating table, working through that mindset, what do you feel like are common mistakes that people make when they're trying to change that mindset? And maybe they don't really know that they haven't even began. (laughs) That's part of it. Yeah. So I think one of the common, and I don't want to call it a mistake, I think one of the common thoughts that people have is that they think often, and I had it, so let me just bring it to me, that you're going to grow automatically. Growth is automatic, right? That's true, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and so that's the way you think. And, and I think that's because of the type of world, the school system that we have across America, right? That you go to school, you, you get this education, you matriculate from grade to grade. Even when you go off to college, you know, you matriculate through level to level. But once you get out of school, (laughs) out of college, right, unless you become a professional uh, student, you don't have that type of guidance any longer. But you assume that you're going to automatically grow on your job or you're going to automatically grow into these experiences. And you don't. You have to participate in these experiences. You have to be intentional about the ways you want to grow. And yet that is not what everybody thinks. You just think it's going to automatically happen. Yes. I like how you're talking about that intentional. I also like to call it experimental learning. And I do think that oftentimes our education cankers that because we have somebody who's basically walking us through saying, oh, you're growing, but we're Mm -hmm. not being very intentional. Like we're not really thinking about it, not really taking those experiences in, like breathing them in, you know, moving back to that breath, but breathing in the experience and then letting it, you know, have full power to change us or to help us learn something different in a way. Right. And so most times I think, and one of my mentors, John Maxwell says it well, he said, many people learn only from the school of hard knocks. You know, they treat difficult experiences Uh, teach lessons and difficult experiences don't necessarily have to teach lessons. We talked about that, right? You can have a difficult experience and stay in resentment and unforgiveness and Uh all of those things. You can stay in there. Fear of being you, being the authentic you, never coming out of that shell. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't think that they may be carrying fear as well. And I think that's a really important thing to identify. I'd love to hear more like about your book. It's called Mommy, I Need You. You know, what's the idea behind that and what inspired you to write that book? Yeah. So years ago, I was inspired to write a book. I I believe God was nudging me to write my book. But I didn't want to, after I had gone through my healing process, to even consider writing a book about the process. Oh, no, God, you ain't talking to me. Mm -mm. 
Yeah. Nope, not me. You know, and eventually I got on board. So let me say that. So my book, Mommy, I Need You, was really uh, the title came from my daughter, who when she was little was always, Mommy, I need you. And it was exhausting at times yeah. <laughs> calling me. But sitting there and thinking about the title, uh, Mommy, I Need You, and so many women, uh, girls who have gone through abuse, because it states that one out of three girls would experience sexual abuse for the first time between the ages of 11 and 17. And one out of eight would experience it before the age of 10. Wow. Wow. And those are numbers that are reported, right? Um, those numbers are reported. So imagine the numbers, because I'm not a part of the report. Yeah. You know, and I'm not sure you're part of the report, but I wasn't part of it. Yeah. So just imagine the people who are not a part of it. So my book was written about my story, but to encourage women. And you didn't have to be a mother. Just be a surrogate and come alongside the woman who, who have experienced this and help her to get through it. Because we are going to be that voice for our children because truly it's not going away. Yeah. You can look at it as an epidemic. Sexual abuse is not going away. It's in the Bible. Uh, <laughs> the first story is in Genesis. It happened to Dinah. That oh, is yeah. Jacob's daughter. And then you go on and you, you read about it with David. It happened to Tamar, David's daughter. And so it's in the word of God. So it's not going away. So how we help women to get through it and how we help our girls to get through it is so important. And so that's the reason why I wrote my book. Wow. And, you know, I didn't really think about the long history that it has. And that makes me feel sad. <laughs> Maybe it's yeah. not going to go away. You always hope. I mean, I hoped with this generation, you know, with my own daughter that she would never have to experience yes. that. But then yes. the thing I've been thinking a lot about is just the increase in porn. And even, uh, yes. you know, I, not long ago, I had a conversation with a lady who talked about how damaging even viewing some of this porn is yes. to a girl and how that can be very, be almost as traumatic as having the act done to you. It just scares me to think that we will never get away from it. And then, like you said, there's multiple people who have not reported it. You know, it's just part of mm -hmm. what we feel like life is. And so... Just some interesting things to think about, I think, as, as we think about these topics and how they'll affect our girls and how to help them get through this. Yeah, because yes, we don't want to happen to our girls, but our girls are going to meet girls that it happened to. Mm -hmm, definitely. Yeah, so they have an opportunity to tell maybe our stories and mm -hmm. to even suggest, you know, you don't have to allow this to define you. Uh, I remember one young lady, she shared her story on stage when I was attending. I'm a certified John Maxwell speaker, trainer, and coach. And I was at uh, one of his conferences, International, where everybody come from all over. And she said that she told her best friend and they laughed. And in the laughter that her best friend said, you need to tell your mom. They just kept laughing. And it gave her permission to go tell her mother what had happened to her. Wow. 
Yeah. Um, it is amazing how when we can maybe come to it in a way that, I mean, it's not really a, something that's funny. It's definitely not funny. But when we have a lighter heart about it, kind of like yes. with your services, you know, that in lion heart, that maybe it's easier to identify it, to talk to people and then to help, you know, heal us as well. Yes. I, for, I forgot to ask you this question, and this is one of the most important questions that I love to ask in my podcast. It's actually the premise of why I started my podcast, but I'd love to know how you feel like your paradigm changed over time and with experience about some of these topics and how those unique ideas that you came away with have helped you maybe serve other people. Yeah, well, the paradigm change for me or the paradigm shift for me is that I no longer carry the burden of what happened to me. Love that. I, I was no longer carrying that burden of what happened to me. And I was walking in forgiveness of the portrayal that the rapist did. He wasn't a family member. He was a next door neighbor. And so I began to walk in the forgiveness of that and not allow him or what happened to me to define me any longer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't have to allow that to have the last say in my life. Yeah. And that this experience, again, I shared earlier that it wasn't about me, that it was really about others. And so to be used as an instrument to help others, because as I said to you, and yeah, it is sad, but it's been going on for centuries, right? So yeah. it gives opportunity for me to leave a mark <laughs> on someone. I love the when people have the ministries or the missions that says, reach one, each one, you know? <laughs> yeah, I love those because that's how it is. If I never touch but one person, you know, I made a difference. Of course, I want to touch more than one person, but just making that difference in their lives and going on that journey with them. And to know too that, um, Rebecca, I was doing it before I went out to do this as a business, that I have helped women to heal and to breathe life. And that breathes life for me too. So, and it's still breathing, you know? I mean, cause again, I'm not perfect. I have my flaws. Well, and I think, you know, you sharing your story and you doing it to a wide audience can help people have courage just to do it, like sharing their story with their next door neighbor or with their girlfriend <laughs> that they laugh over. Yeah. That makes just as powerful person, I guess. They don't have to have a huge platform and be speaking to people, but they can, I guess they can implement your story into their lives and then just work like a one-on-one -on -one, uh, situation with people. Um, yes. To heal the world. That's great. Well, I'd love to know, you said that you speak probably more than coach now, even though you are a certified um, pastoral counselor. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd love to know, like, what's the message that you like to give as you're speaking? And does that coincide with what you'll find in the book? Or is it slightly different? Well, so what I call my signature speech is like, I like to talk about thoughts, you know, the power of thoughts. Thoughts matter. Mm -hmm. uh, how we think, how we allow those thoughts to ruminate or to control us. And so I talk a lot about, one of them I talked about with you is about the comparison. But when you've gone through something or we all have distorted thinking. So I like to kind of flush those distorted thoughts out. 
Mm-hmm. But you can set yourself free. So for me, my message is definitely that you have power to change your thoughts. And I didn't see that at first. I remember when I first started the healing process and these thoughts would attack my mind and I would talk to one of my prayer partners and she would say, you know, we're going to pray over that. We're going to deal with that. But I remember one of my other prayer partners, she said, you know what? That's just a lie, flat out lie. (laughs) And when I began to understand that I was believing lies, wow. So for me, my key message is, is that we have to check the lies we believe in and how those thoughts and what role are those thoughts playing in our lives? Because they come from, and I mentioned it a little earlier, they come from our environment, they come from relationships, and they come from us. And oftentimes, we don't even know we believe in lies. There's research out there that states that we have between 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts, the average person per day. Out of those thousand of thoughts that we have, 80% of those thoughts are negative and 95% of those thoughts are repeated, which means that the thoughts we had today, we thought them yesterday. It's like, play it again, Sam. (laughs) So that's my key message. And that's really in my book as well. But I take you through the process in my book from childhood of how happy I was to, you know, when this happened to me and how adulthood, young adulthood was looking for me and then how life began to change for me. So I walk you through the process. Yeah. And books are great for that. Yeah. They do a kind of a deep dive into it. Kind of reminds me of, you know, you talked about having a prayer partner, somebody that you can trust to kind of walk beside you through this situation. I love the, the honesty, I guess, with somebody saying that's a flat out lie. Yes. (laughs) A lot of times, even when people are telling us these things, we don't want to insult them, I guess, that maybe that's a thought that's going through their head. And so we don't claim it for what it is. But it's really important if you're walking through the situation with somebody that you are honest about it to that degree. <laughs> you know, that's a flat yeah. out lie. <laughs> I think that's helpful for sure. It is. And it was helpful because I began to understand. I remember one day I was in a car and and the Lord was revealing lies to me that I had believed. And it was one after another. It seemed like every day he was just tearing down those walls of distortion and lies. And I look, I was driving this particular day I was driving. And I was like, another lie, I can't believe, (laughs) you know, I had so many that I had believed and we don't look at life like that. I don't think we examine life from the fact that we may be believing lies, you know, and it's not like they all go away because I have had to challenge myself even recently and say, you know what, I think. I think that's a lie right there. (laughs) You know, you need to question that. And I've been able to sit down and question that because again, it's where they come from. Yeah. Well, and some of those are black and white or not black, kind of gray in a way, like that part might be true, but this part is not true. So it makes the whole thing somewhat of a lie. You know, you've got to decipher that for sure. Yes. We will return to our show after a word from our sponsors. For the ultimate in backcountry comfort, check out the high quality gear of Teton Hammock Company. 
Whether you're going on an overnight trip or a week-long adventure, the ultralight outdoor equipment from the Teton Hammock Company will keep you warm, dry, and sleeping like a baby. Their products are made of top quality materials that outperform all others. Check them out at tetonhammocks.com with an S. That is tetonhammocks.com. Hang with the best. Teton Hammock Company. Now back to the episode. How do you feel like your message is helping other people, you know, with that collaboration? Uh, anyway, I'd love to hear how it's helping people. Well, I started an organization called Sisters Journeying Together. Sister Journeying Together is a group of women that come together to mentor. Uh, since the pandemic, it, it, it has unfortunately slowed us down. But we come together to mentor to young girls between the ages of 12 and 19 on personal growth and leadership. So collaborating with schools and Girl Scouts, like I have even spoken to, and, and let me say this, you don't really have to mention sexual abuse to know that once you get 10 girls together, somebody within that group has gone through something. Okay, so when when I go in and we're ministering, we talk about self-esteem, self-image, we do affirmations, you know, things that you and I have been talking about, lies that we may have believed, but we do it in a way that the the, uh, young girls can understand. And it was really powerful. Me and some of the women, we were at a program that allowed our services to come in and they're no longer even in existence here. And one of the young ladies, we were talking about each woman was assigned to go over and tell the young ladies how beautiful they were. And the pain that we experienced that when we tried to tell them, this one young lady in particular, she hid her face. And what we found out that her dad was calling her names. Wow. And so that was pretty powerful. So how the message is helping when we go out there is that we're letting them know that they're worthy and that they're lovable. And yes, I'm sorry that your dad is doing this, but he's the one with the problem. To be able to speak that, when you talk about a paradigm shift, to strive to shift her. Now we're planting seeds. Hopefully those seeds will continue to grow, but at least we planted them. And that's how I believe the message is changing lives. Yeah, I think that this, it's so needed. I'd love to see more mentoring groups for young girls because as our families move apart from each other, I mean, a lot of our ancestors had that somewhat built in because Mm -hmm. you were with your grandmother and your mother and, you know, all your aunts and all of that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. a lot of women got a lot more mentoring, although I don't think the communication was as um, open. Once again, it comes from women not feeling like they have a voice. And so sometimes they don't even feel like they have a voice among each other. But that's the part I feel like is very, I guess it's frustrating for me, like how to raise a strong daughter when there aren't a lot of these mentoring groups around, you know, where there's not people around her other than me. And by the time they hit their teenage years, they don't want to really listen to their, their mothers. That's why aunts and grandmas and, you know, all these other people, is that something that you help to do is to create these groups or is this just a group that you guys well, you know, it's a legacy. It's, it, it is a, a legacy thought for me that I would like to see sisters journeying together more than just uh, local. 
Mm-hmm. I would like to see it out there. And that's something really, Rebecca, I have to pick back up again. Uh, we were in the process. So in yeah, 2019, <laughs> I did my first conference for young girls and we had set a goal for 50 girls and we had 50 girls there. It was powerful. And we also made sure that we had a panel of young girls speaking as well, because I'm older, you know, and young teens want to hear from, you know, more of the young girls are closer to their age. And so we made sure we had a panel of that. It was really, it was delicious. (laughs) <laughs> and the and the girls enjoyed it. So yeah. I would like to get back to that because everything kind of turned, even my business turned. And so I'm striving to figure out how to, you know, maneuver or, or lead my business now through this pandemic, which yeah. I am gaining traction, but I can't pick everything back up at the same time now. Yeah. Well, and I did notice on your website, you know, you have masterminds, you have journeying sessions. Um, yes. Even though you live in the Detroit area, are those events that people could join no matter oh, where they're Oh, sure. From? Most okay. definitely. And, you know, just to share with you, I had a, I've always wanted to, Rebecca, go to Africa. And <laughs> I didn't know what part of Africa I wanted to go to, but I always wanted to go to Africa. And so I have a Facebook Live and I also started a group for women on Facebook. Mm -hmm. My Facebook live is called morning tea with Regina and it's called thoughtful Tuesday and thoughtful Thursday. Those are the two days I and thankful Thursday. And I go on those two days where I end up meeting a, a young lady from Africa and we both start talking and she has a ministry. When you talk about collaboration, really powerful ministry to widows and widowers in Nigeria. Uh Uh, And I decided that I wanted to raise money because when they lose a spouse, a woman, particularly a pregnant woman, loses their spouse, they can lose their home and everything and not even know how to have the baby uh, because they have lost their spouse during the time of their pregnancy. So I wanted to raise money for that particular uh, segment of, of her ministry. And she asked me to speak. I had an opportunity to speak to widows and widowers. And uh, we end up connecting because her ministry is pretty wide. My speech ended up connecting with over 3,000 viewers on Facebook. Wow. That is so neat. (laughs) Wasn't that so? It was was just awesome. And just talking about that power of thoughts, even how them dealing with being a widow or being a widower. And I'm a divorcee, and there may be some similarities in Uh terms of the loss, but surely in how they're thinking about themselves, because they do have a journey that they're going through. And a lot of times uh, the females over there and even the males can be blamed for even the spouse uh, dying. Uh, Yeah. So to so there and to have that experience. So, of course, all over the world. And, And I believe that's what virtual has done in this pandemic for us to think outside the box or as we were talking about earlier to kick the box (laughs) I believe that's what it has done to allow us to do it differently for those who are willing to step up because you got to be willing to step up to the challenge 
Yeah. Well, and we do have an international world and we can't deny that this pandemic should show us that, you know, yes. that yes. everybody is hurting in this way. You know, yes. I think, I do think it's powerful though, like even though you're divorced and you haven't lost a spouse, I have heard that it's actually more painful in a way to go through a divorce. I've almost heard it's easier to go through losing a spouse than divorce, but in their situation too, I just think how, like, even with that situation in your life, how that's prepared you to be a good mentor for women like that. Cause it almost sounds like the same thing. Like they, they totally lose everything when they, yes. and then they get blamed for it on top of yes. that. Like, like often you do when, you know, there's a divorce going on as well. Um, right. That's and you can crazy. even get blamed. Now, now, listen to this, Rebecca. You can even get blamed for the sexual assault. And this is the yeah. way the talk track works. Well, why didn't you get some help? Mm-hmm. Or, or why didn't you, you leave? Or why didn't you run? And women would even do that to one another. Mm-hmm. And it's a way that we silence each other and it, yes. it, we continue to put this blame back on women. Yes. It's just, yeah. It's yeah. kind of a very sick cycle. It know, is. It's a very it's vicious. It is. Yes, vicious yes. cycle. Definitely. What do you feel like is something that you've learned that's helped cause your life to be more meaningful and that's led you to your life's mission? When I was going through my healing process, I believe that the one thing that I learned that I fought against at first, because I was depressed, I had lost a lot of weight, and the Lord was telling me to go out and serve. And I was like, go and serve. I'm a mess. I've lost all this weight. I lost probably about 30 pounds. I had gotten so small. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep during the healing process. And for the Lord to tell me to go and serve, I was like, you've Mm -hmm. got to be kidding. But I did it anyway. I ended up connecting with my church and they were helping Meals on Wheels. They had a ministry there for Meals on Wheels. And they prepared the meals and then we would go out into the community where the elderly was shut in and nobody would bring them meals. And when I would walk on those porches uh, to give the meals, they would meet me at the door, the elderly, and they would say, baby, I ain't had a visitor all day. I was waiting for you. (laughs) Uh, And and, uh, it just cheered my heart. And I couldn't believe it. And I was so happy that I began to understand that part of my healing was serving. Mm -hmm. And that's that part when I say, and helping others. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, Yeah. So the meaningfulness for me is serving. You can get in, you can go in business thinking that it's, you know, it's for you to make money or, you know, but wow. You know, when you get into business, you realize it takes a while for everything to kind of take hold, right? Yeah. But the greatest thing you can do is serve, is serve. So I believe that gives me the most meaning out of life when I'm, even my family. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I grew up, so let me just say this. I grew up in the liberation movement when it was just starting on television on, I don't know if you know about Gidget and I remember one time she dropped her handkerchief on the ground and the man went to go pick it up and she wanted to be able to say, I got this. I don't need your help. And it even was like that when the men tried to open up the doors. 
So you can even see on television how life changes on how, you know, we are ushered into other eras. And so for me to like think about serving my husband, <laughs> yeah, cook for yourself, get your food. Uh, but no, I, I have come to appreciate that. And, and, and like I taught, I, I said, even my daughter helping me to grow of, um, she said to me, you know, I know, you know, I'm away at college, but when I come home, ma, I do want some meals from you. I, when I know she's coming home, I've, I've tried to do a better job of even serving her in that area. You know, pushing myself to the side and meeting her needs. Of course, I want to say, girl, you ground. You're away at college. Cook for yourself. Mommy on break. But you know what? She needs me in that area. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of why I like to always include like how we're helping other people, because I think service is part of that. And even if we do make money while we're serving other people, I mean, you're not stealing that from them. You know, they're volunteering. Oh, oh, sure. Sure. But you you may... You may think that's what you're going to get when you first start your business, you know, Uh, but it takes time for those things to really catch on the way you want. And you may think you're going to start off making thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, uh, right off the bat. If you put your service out there, people are going to just automatically invest, (laughs) you know, well, people have to get to know you, right? They have to get to know you. They have to get to trust you. And, and, and yeah, and like you. So it's the no trust and like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I do, you know, kind of going back to the women's movement, I really, I think service is part of life. Women have, I mean, that comes very naturally many times yes. to us. And yes. I do understand there was a point that we had to go, you know what? other people do need to be stepping up here. And, you know, because it went from us wanting to serve to being a doormat. Do you know what I mean? Oh, right. Yes. For other people. So I, I think that there's a good balance. The thing I love about it, though, is that I feel like our world is becoming more beautifully balanced in that way, that, yes. you know, our husbands serve us, we serve them, and our children, hopefully they're serving us, but we're also working to serve them. And we can think about it in that balanced way, too, because I think there was so many years that it was one-sided, or we expected more out of our children to serve them. You know, they needed to serve us type of thing. But it is, it's something that kind of rotates, you know, that we can kind of work together in that way. And I think that's healthy. (laughs) I I do too. And just to say, I was in a semi-traditional home. My dad cooked. I mean, every morning he got up and made our breakfast. My dad taught me how to knit, crochet, and sew. Wow. Yeah. So it was him that was teaching me those things. My mom was big on cooking and she had friends who were teaching my brother and my sister, um, I'm more of that cooking. They like that. I rejected that and (laughs) and not to my benefit either, even though surprisingly I can cook. I'm just not big on cooking, but I'll clean a house. You know, that's what I find freedom (laughs) in cleaning. And I love a clean together home. Yeah, I do. Wow. You sound just like me. I don't, I don't enjoy cooking at all. I can cook. I cook more out of necessity than I do yes. survival, but I would rather focus on the organization and the cleanliness. Yes, sure. yes, yes. That's great. 
Well, how do you feel like, uh, well, maybe what habits are in your personal life do you feel like help for better learning and maybe better enlightenment? I mean, we're both, this is our word, right? Enlightened yeah. hearts and illuminated hearts and minds. But what do you think helps create that? Well, I believe that if you just take small steps, right? Small steps in developing whatever it is that you want to focus on because everybody's priorities are different. And you accept the fact that it is a personal, it's personal. Changing our lives is personal, but in developing habits in our lives that are going to help get us to the next point. But we have to just start small. You know, I was sharing with someone the other day, she felt like her life had so much going on. So I asked, well, can you give yourself 15 minutes a day? 15 minutes to do something for you, 15 minutes a day and built from there. And she said that she could see herself giving 15 minutes. So I have come to embrace, and it's hard. So let me say this, it's hard because I like things to happen. And come on, let's go and let's happen. But I have also begin, I, I have become to understand that if you do it, take steps every day towards what you say you want in your life and it can add up. Yeah, those tiny little drops in a bucket, you know. Yeah, must. they add up. Eventually, it'll fill the pill. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yes, and I think creating some time for yourself. I mean, you can't become who you want to be without spending any time at it. That's wonderful. Right. Um, you know, they tell you when you're on the plane to put the mask on yourself first. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's true. You can't help anyone until you help yourself. Yeah. And that's another way I, the mentoring young girls, I think would be helpful because uh, especially as young mothers, that's really when you need, that's what I'm thinking of. Like I, I have a lot more time now. I know you told me you're an empty nester as well. Yes. And I remember having tiny little kids and not like, where am I going to squeeze out 15 minutes for myself? And once again, that would be a wonderful time to bring in that mentoring where we all kind of uh, help give each other a little bit of time to become who we need to be. Um, yes, yes. And you know, it's something you're talking about mentoring because I started uh, a mentoring uh, group uh, right now is happening once a month. And I've invited uh, women who are ready to take their results to the next level. And because I want, I, you know, I want you to be serious about where you want to go. So we meet once a month and then I paired off the group for accountability partners because meeting once a month you can easily fall off you can say hey i'm not going but i paired each person off with an accountability partner so that way each week they confessed uh or, or what i should say declared what they wanted to accomplish during these times of uh, meeting once a month and then i provided them with some accountability questions that each of them can go through and hopefully that will help them to get to the next level so i started that because i did i wanted to to really sow those seeds of uh, a mentoring i'm being mentored i'm being coached and and because i like to inspire uh, and help women to breathe. I thought this was another way of doing that. Yeah. Well, and uh, when we, I mean, we're just thinking about going beyond again, you know, going further than just that light bulb moment, like we talked about. 
yes at the beginning that's wonderful um so tell me about your long-term goals and how that's working you you've already mentioned legacy i'm like boy this is a sister after my own heart uh, you know of, of making sure that there's a legacy but but how do you feel like those long-term goals are working into that legacy that you hope to leave well so for me I, my legacy is that i want to grow old graciously and healthy and I believe that I would definitely pass that on to my daughter and even my nieces seeing it and just seeing that I care about me, my inside as well as my outside. I want to help our daughters to live healthy mentally, spiritually, and physically. I want to multiply sisters' journey together. And my hope is to, for it to grow on an international and I want to leave my faith of wealth, of knowledge, and, and financial prosperity. That's how I see my legacy. That's wonderful. And those are all things when we, I mean, those are pretty much all the facets of your life, right? Um, yeah. Spiritually, spiritually, mentally, physically, you know, and, and that makes us beautifully well-rounded again. I mean, beautifully, I guess, diverse in a way as well. Yeah, because I don't, you know... I don't want to, and that's what made me start even dealing with my weight issue, because I, where did I want to be? So, you know, I looked at Tina Turner, Tina Turner, <laughs> I was just in awe with her, or Angela Bassett, these women, particularly when Angela Bassett played Tina Turner, and you know, Rebecca, I don't have to have the muscles and stuff that look like that, even though I, I have gained some muscle, but I don't have to have those muscles <laughs> like them. I mean, they just seem, they just tight. But I did not want to be overweight, eating all the wrong foods. I wanted to see myself differently than that. And I work on that. And I'm intentional about it. And so I'm starting to really understand that the first start is me being intentional, recognizing how I want to look and how I want to be and how I want to think mentally, and then being intentional about it. They really go hand in hand. Yeah. And that's another area of our life that those tiny daily drops in a bucket add up to a big, yes. a big thing. Yes. And that's what just spending a tiny bit of time on something like that can have huge long-term effects down the road. One of the things that I've been doing lately, I'm also, you know, I'm getting older. So I'm like, I'm, I'm not overweight, but I'm not where I want to be. And I've been watching a lot of videos of people mm -hmm who have gained massive weight and then they lose it again. But it's interesting. They talk about that a lot, like the tiny little things that they did to just start moving. Like one guy, he was so big that he literally would just flop around, but he noticed like the tiny bit of movement that he did helped in so many ways in his life to the point that he ended up losing hundreds of pounds just by making the decision to spend 15 minutes literally just flopping around <laughs> on the floor. Wow. And just, I think it's impressive how we can do tiny little things every day and hit our goals. Do you have any final parting words for our listeners? And then give us your contact information, how our listeners can get in touch with you. I'm hoping to see these mastermind groups grow that you have. And also this, um, I'd love to see the sister's journey, those mentoring groups with growth yes, too. Sister but, journey. Yes. Yeah. So yes, I, my parting words would be just really what you just said. Take the small steps, take the small steps and breathe, breathe room. 
give you someone if you're dealing with a traumatic experience or a difficult obstacle. And that's going on right now in this pandemic. <laughs> a lot of us are dealing with difficult situations. Someone who you can trust and let them help you to breathe through it. And that would be my parting advice, that you can start this journey and you don't have to know everything to discover you. But you will discover you when you take the journey. You'll realize that you're able to do more than you even thought you were capable of doing. That's wonderful. So the way to get in touch with me, you can join me on Facebook Live. It's called Morning Tea with Regina. You can go to my page. It's called Enlightened Heart Services. Enlightened Heart Services. That's the name of my business. You can go to my website, reginacehall.com. And when you go to my website, reginacehall.com, you can subscribe to my e-newsletter. I put out an e-newsletter twice a week. And so that's the way they can get in contact with me. I have masterminds that are on there. They can find out about that. And I also do Sister's Journey, where women want the help and coaching. So they can find out all about that by going to my website, reginacehall.com. Well, you have been a light today. I'm so glad we were were able to connect and have these discussions. It's been enlightening for me. I appreciate it. Again, we've been talking with Regina Hall. I'm going to be sure to post like the social medias, the websites, all that stuff. Love to see more people join these mastermind groups as well, because talk once again about that mentoring is so important. And that's a wonderful avenue to do it. But thank you so much, Regina, for coming on and talking to us about some really empowering topics of moving beyond those light bulb moments. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Rebecca, for even having me. Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. Music featured in this episode from Scott Holmes. To learn more about our podcast, check us out at theluminousmind.net.